0: Make this the best year ever with Read and Write. Getting a confident start to the new school year is important for every student, especially those with reading and writing difficulties, learning disabilities, or English as a second language. Whether on a PC, Mac, iPad, or mobile device, there's a Read&Write product to suit your needs. The Read&Write family of products can help your struggling reader or writer be more confident and more successful than ever. Read&Write Gold is text-to-speech software that provides tools for reading, writing, studying, and research, while students work within the common applications they use every day. Read&Write for Google provides support tools for Google Docs, PDFs, and EPUBs in Chrome on PCs, Macs, and Chromebooks to make Google Apps for Education accessible. And iReadWrite makes reading easier and ensures accurate writing as students use their iPad for school, work, or leisure. Give students the support they need wherever and whenever with Read&Write. Try it today! To learn more about how Read&Write can help your struggling students, visit Texthelp.com or call 1-888-248-0652. Again, that number is 1-888-248-0652. If you have students with IEPs, be sure to take advantage of the Read&Write Gold IEP Special. Welcome to season 8 of the AT Tips Cast, where we explore how to provide more options to help all learners. I'm your host, Chris Bougay. This is episode 134, recorded on October 17th, 2014. Hey, I'm just curious, are you able to hear this or are you hearing this? Were you able to turn this podcast on or did you turn this podcast on? When this podcast is over, will you be able to turn this off or will you turn this off? And these might seem like silly, redundant questions, but the way we phrase our communication impacts public perceptions and provides subtle shifts in our cultural mindset. That's why we're kicking off this season of the AT Tips Cast, examining one of the most commonly used phrases in educational reports, individualized education programs, and progress notes. Are you able to be ready? Are you able to get excited for it? Are you able to dive in? I know I'm able to. Currently, there's a movement to ban the R-word. Which R-word are we extinguishing? Retarded. But that's only when it's used in conjunction with describing a person or describing the actions of a person, like calling someone retarded or calling something retarded. It's generally thought of as degrading and hurtful. Using it shows an overall lack of respect for fellow humans. I totally champion the cause to eliminate the use of that word in that way. You can show your support for the cause by going to r-word.org and taking the online pledge that reads, I pledge and support the elimination of the derogatory use of the R-word from everyday speech and promote the acceptance and inclusion of people with intellectual disabilities. Take the pledge. I did. In fact, let's call banning the R-word and r-word.org AT-tip 436. For those of us who work in education, especially special education, using the R-word is sort of a glaringly obvious violation of etiquette. But there's another, more subtle, commonly used phrase that permeates educational writings and spoken language, which, I believe, also degrades the individual of whom we are reporting. Are you able to deduce that phrase, or did you deduce it? Evaluation reports, present levels of academic and functional performance, and progress notes top the list as forms of written exposition describing the abilities of an individual. In all of these reports, a phrase used repeatedly to describe a student's performance is, is able to. But imagine using is able to to describe all the things you do in a day. Does it sound redundant? Does it change the meaning or the implied meaning of what you're trying to say? Consider these examples. I am able to walk to the school. Does that mean I live close to the school, or does that mean I can physically walk there? How does it change when I just say or write, I walk to school? How about this? I am able to put my pants on. Does this imply some difficulty or effort, as opposed to simply writing, I put my pants on? Or how about this one? I am able to stand up, as opposed to, I stand up. Or I am able to forgive you, which implies some sort of struggle, where I forgive you doesn't imply that struggle. Or how about this example? I'm able to love my mom. This sentence makes it sound like your mom is a really awful person, but you choose to love her anyway, because, you know, she's your mom. The meaning changes dramatically when you simply state, I love my mom, as opposed to, I am able to love my mom. Able to is also used to communicate genuine surprise that an action could actually be accomplished because of the great effort involved. Saying, I ran a marathon, implies a slightly different meaning than saying, I was able to run a marathon. I jumped out of the plane makes it sound like it was a snap, as opposed to, I was able to jump out of the plane, which makes it sound like I was more hesitant or skittish, taking tremendous willpower to perform such a feat of daring. Able to can also be used in reference to obtaining permission. I was able to go out with my friends tonight, or I was able to get dad's car for the night, implies that an authority figure was asked and permission was granted, as opposed to, I went out with my friends tonight, or I got my dad's car for the night. Here are some actual examples from reports, IEPs, and present levels. Only the names have been changed. Tucker was able to activate the cell, versus Tucker activated the cell. Maggie is able to write five-paragraph essays, versus Maggie writes five-paragraph essays. And Melissa is able to say 10 words verbally, versus Melissa says 10 words verbally. I hope you hear the difference. I know it's subtle. But there is a difference. Every time I read, is able to, in reference to describing a person's ability, it always sounds to me like the author is genuinely surprised that the person he or she is writing about is capable of doing the action in the sentence. It screams, I didn't expect that person was capable of doing that action, but he or she did it. Or it implies that some tremendous effort took place to accomplish the task. Instead of being surprised by achievement, performance, or accomplishment, we should expect it. We should always just assume that a student can do anything. We should presume that the student is competent of any task until he or she shows us otherwise. We call this presuming competence, and the language we use should reflect that mindset. I challenge you to critique your own use of the phrase able to. Consider crafting your sentences without it to eliminate the subtle implication of effort inherent to the phrase. Carefully consider the phrases you choose when writing about student abilities. Your words make a difference. They shape our culture and influence public perceptions. The onus falls on you. Are you able to do it? Recently, I've been playing around with an app called Elevate. It was free when I got it, and as the date of this recording, it's still free with the ability to purchase expanding features. You can check it out at elevateapp.com. Each day, it gives you three different puzzles or games to play to help you train your brain. One of the games is called brevity, where a sentence is presented and you are asked to eliminate the redundancy in the sentence. Stuff like, my fingers on my hand are cold. You can just cut out the on my hand part and just say, my fingers are cold. This is a skill authors practice and learn over time to tighten up their prose. Wait, hold on, scratch that. This is a skill authors practice and learn to tighten up their prose. I didn't need to say the overtime part. Students learning to write, as well as educators who compose educational reports or summaries, which is all educators really, can benefit from the practice of shortening sentences. Of course, the app has other fun brain and language practice games as well, including stuff on listening comprehension, connotations of words, and word associations. There are currently 24 different types of games. I'm calling Elevate Tip number 437. Before I sign off, I'll let you know that there are a few bonus blog posts over at ATTipsCast.com, which I wrote between seasons. One is a presentation I put together on how to download and listen to a podcast, prompted by Carol Zangari from the Practical AAC blog. The other is my own ALS Ice Bucket Challenge video. I hope you check those out over at ATTipsCast.com. That's it for this episode of the AT Tips Cast. If you'd like to catch up in person, I've listed out everywhere I'll be presenting on the blog over at attipscast.com. Until next time, may all your interventions be able to be inclusive, and may all your strategies be able to be supportive. I'm so happy to be able to be back.